Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Coming up, staying with volleyball for a second week, we speak to Nikki Mead, the Army women's head coach, and she discusses the lengths that they have to go to to keep this minority sport going. I've been with the team for 23 years and we have spent time in gyms where we've tied a net to the walls and we've put masking tape to line out the court. We have done everything that has allowed us to, to keep playing. Clearly someone, Jules, who is passionate and would go to the end of the earth to keep her players playing. Nikki also shares the frustrations of the everyday admin involved. Plus, she reiterates many times that you really need to love the sport because she knows that to some people it isn't the most attractive on first sight. A ball to the face at that speed is going to hurt. So I think people become quite afraid um, of, it is quite, you can get hurt quite quickly. And you've kind of got to go through that little pain barrier. Jules, I never really thought about volleyball being a painful sport. I suppose I've only ever played it for a laugh and it's been beach volleyball. And it's just sort of throwing yourself around on the sand. But actually... Physical. Yeah, Nikki really, really made me think about it. Like, she talks about the, you know, the, the sort of, you're literally putting your body on the line by throwing it on the ground to, to get a ball, spiking a ball and the rest of it. I hadn't really thought of it like that before. Yeah, I mean, the speed that that ball is coming at, especially if you're close at the net, <laughs> yeah. defending for your life for your team yeah very very physical sport and injuries are picked up and of course the way that you use your hands as well for the spiking everything else injuries to fingers you often see taped up fingers taped mm. up knees you almost think they're going skateboarding with the protection <laughs> that they have on their knees but yeah i mean sport. you know i've i've you know, like i said played in um sort of recreationally a bit of beach volleyball and even after like half an hour your wrist gets sore from the serving and yeah it just sort of i i really had to think about it because she was comparing it to the likes of netball and basketball and if you're looking at, at attracting female players she was saying netball basketball they're not no contact you don't have to jump you do fall over but that's that's not part of the game she said she finds it hard because she knows that when females see volleyball they see it's almost a bit too physical for them that she worries about that i'm not saying that that's a generic problem but she worries that you know the likes of netball and basketball are more attractive to to new players i would say though that in volleyball's favor is that you can play it almost anywhere mm. you know nikki was saying we've tied pieces of yeah. net to the wall well that's all you need a piece of net or just something that sort of dictates this is where you have to get the ball over. Just need four of you, away you go. It's a brilliant workout. It's plyometric, works the full body. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, we'll look forward to hearing from Nikki later on in the programme. Nikki Mead then, the Army women's um, volleyball head coach, and also a little bit about her, her background, how she got into the sport, but also her job with England as well. So she's she's properly involved in the sport to a very elite level. Um, Forces Sport this week, Jules, we had the IST20 women's cricket. So, of course, the, the men's game took place, um, games took place at Lords earlier in the month, um, but the women got their chance at Arundel Castle and the Army dominated the Inter-Services Women's Championship. They beat the RAF by 122 runs and the Navy by 10 wickets. Connie Kant, who is also the UK Armed Forces captain, but also the Army captain. She was delighted with the day's work. Great team performance for everyone. Everyone was really switched on in the field, and um, it was just really nice to see us playing as a team. And I think the RAF and the Navy both had a really impressive turnout today compared to other years. So it's been really good all round. So we just wanted to keep them really tight um, on the run rate. 
especially during that power play when we can't have players out. So the important thing of having tight bowling was just like essential and the bowlers absolutely nailed it. So we got the total of 69 in, in six overs. So Amanda and Mel Vaggers both batted absolutely sublimely. Um, the pitch has dried out really nicely, so it's a bit quicker in the outfield and they really utilised that to the best of their ability. Now, the Army, as ever, were superior in every department, as um, as Connie was talking about that. And um, sh- names like Mel Vaggers and um, Amanda Potgeiter. She said Amanda, but it's Amanda Potgeiter, yeah. who's been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think she, she opened the batting with, with WG Grace <laughs> at, at one stage. We can't do this again because she already gave me grief for saying she was, um, was I felt like she was 100. After we saw them at the UK Armed Forces game, we didn't say Lord's. Amanda. We didn't say you looked a hundred. No, that's normally the score next like to your name in the scorebook. But it's funny because um, uh, Connie there was paying paying tribute to to her and, and Mel Vaggers, who batted very well. But actually, against the Air Force, Connie and her twin sister Georgie, they nearly carried their bats for the whole twenty overs. Connie scoring sixty seven and Georgie eighty nine. And this is what Georgie had to say after the final game. It's very special to come here and win. Um, I don't think it ever gets old winning here, so yeah, it's good. Georgie Camp there and all three teams will meet again in the 40 Overs Aside Festival in Portsmouth from the 25th to the 28th of July. What do they call it a festival? Arguably, I think... <laughs> I'm asking the wrong person. Every sporting event you, you go to is a bit of a festival. It's our... It's our it's our festival as opposed to a traditional music festival. Well, somebody's been off to a judo jamboree. Absolutely. Is that uh, Sarah Hawkes? Previous guest. Yes. And you can listen to Sarah if you have a rummage through our back catalogue. Everybody loves a rummage through a back catalogue. <laughs> and if you rummage through us, you can find out Sarah Hawkes, who has just picked up a European bronze. Perfect timing for Sarah because she's off to represent Northern Ireland. Uh, just to insult a few people from <laughs> across the Irish Sea there. Could you tell which accent that was? Welsh. Correct. And she has run up some form ahead of the Commonwealth Games, which will be staged in Birmingham. I shall not do a Midlands accent. Dudley. Dudley. <laughs> um, Sarah, um, I mean, we did, you're right, we spoke to her a few months ago, and at the time we weren't like 100% sure that she was going to be selected for Commonwealth Games, but that is definite now, and you're, you're hoping, I, I hope, to catch up with her before she goes? I've been pestering her, yeah. <laughs> like I, you know I do, pester people, and she's picked up some injuries, so she's been, it's, it's that case of wanting to compete, wanting to show your form pick up some form going into a major tournament but yeah she's she's struggled a little bit with injury so fingers crossed touch wood all of that stuff and hopefully she'll be there i name that you might remember jules do you remember mark smith who was an amputee bodybuilder yeah also played football well still so he's that's what i was going to mention he has been selected has um played it's probably something we should have mentioned a couple of weeks ago when he did play but he's been playing for the um england I think it's um the England well England amputee side. I think they have a sort of um five a side football Well they've team. just had something up at St George's Park. Yeah. I wonder if he was involved in that. We should probably get in touch with Mark. Get I him know. on the programme. I need to get Mark on the programme. Huge program. huge guy, isn't he, from his weightlifting, well, powerlifting not days. Not so huge anymore. Because he just dropped a massive amount of weight to, to play football because he's obviously not playing on crutches. Foot, no, playing on crutches as as they as as the as the team tend to and mm. um yeah, so he's not only he was a bodybuilder, then he went into disabled strongman, and now he's playing football for England. I mean, yeah, we need to get him on the on the podcast, don't we? One of those multi-sporty people that we like to sort of be jealous of. Yes, yes, this is forces sport.
Thank you for listening. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm here with Julian Evans. Now we revisit volleyball again this week as we speak to Nikki Mead, who is the Army women's head coach. We hear a lot, Jules, about unsung heroes and I get the feeling, and of course you know Nikki better than me, that she is one of them, a very talented player herself. She decided to take on the mantle of coaching after having her daughter in 2011. And I think it's clear from this conversation that Nikki lives and breathes the sport, but her roles as a coach and a manager means she has to deal with the day-to-day admin associated with running a successful team at any level. So she discusses with us the highs and lows of army volleyball, including their dominance at inter-services and in the Crown Services tournament, but also the ongoing frustration of keeping a minority sport going, especially after the difficulties of a global pandemic. First up, like many of our armed forces sportsmen and women, Nikki has gone beyond service sport. So I was the England senior women's manager, um, have been for the last five years. So I've been really lucky to have worked with um, the American colleges that came over here. Uh, we were up in Middlesbrough um, for a massive four-day training camp. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, and then uh, two years ago, we went to Luxembourg and played the Novotel Cup. Um, which was just brilliant. More so, even more recognisable that one of the REF girls who plays UCAF, I managed to get her reselected for England. She was still playing on the beach at the time. Um, and she came and she was their number one player almost in Novotel. Um, it was brilliant to see that the services were represented by two of us, Army and REF. So do you see yourself then as an enabler, somebody that can help that pathway between military sport and civilian sport at the top level. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, it's that whole insight of seeing sport at the, the higher levels, where you, in a, a minor sport, you don't get to see that all the time because it's so closed away almost, you know? Um, but I think one of the, the turning points for me that made me realise how such a benefit a sport can be is one of the REF players who had decided she was going to leave the REF. Um, had, we had a UCAF and an England training camp where we provided the facilities for England in the military accommodation, military feeding. They came here, we used both courts, and then we played a scrimmage match against them a couple of times during the five-day training camp. And she decided not to leave the services because she realised how much of a door that would open. Yeah, and, and to be playing on court and be seeing. So the two England coaches that I play with are uh, the ex-Olympic coach from 2012 who won the first ever women's match at Olympic level and the most capped uh, England player Maria Batelli. So to have them in our vicinity made everyone realise that it, it, was, it, was, it, was a great it was a great atmosphere and they really enjoyed it and that made me so proud that someone decided not to leave the services just because sport opened opportunities and doors for them. And possibly showed them that it's not such a big step as you imagine it to be. And do you think that um, England volleyball in the, in the women's game is in a, in a good place, in a, going, in a growing phase, in a development phase? Where do you think it's at? It's definitely in a growing phase because, and again, I hate to say it, but COVID's had a real effect because girls that were 13, 16 in cadets are now in juniors and the juniors are now in seniors. So they haven't had that playing familiarity with their team that they normally get through the waves of the, the areas, cadets, juniors and seniors. So they're kind of playing catch up and, they're try and again, they're trying to get time on court. A lot of people have moved away, gone onto college contracts in America, for example. I've got one of the England senior women, she plays on a professional contract in France, was one of their top players in France last year. Um, so it's, I think it is just the fact that it's, it's a sport where, like you said, the opportunities are there, but it's not always, it's not always growing. It's just, it's trying to catch up, but at least 
like I said, it's, it's, it's not basketball or netball where you get greater participation. In, in Europe, in Africa, and even in the United States, it's a sport that is, is visually out there. There's a, there's a lot of coverage in the media. Here, it's sort of, you'd, you'd be hard pushed to find any coverage of volleyball. Why is that, and how can we change that? I don't, I, th I think that it's very off-putting when someone comes along to a volleyball session and say, for example, you're up against some of the army men here and it will put you off because a ball to the face at that speed is going to hurt. So I think people become quite afraid um, of, it is quite, you can get hurt quite quickly. And it's a lot of um, shoulder, um, rotator cuff problems. It, it can hurt to start with and you've got to, got to go through that little pain barrier which is why when we have um, any training we have rest and see coach usually so that we're constantly mobilizing and creating a stable shoulder so we don't get these kind of problems but we just don't and children again they want to catch and throw and they don't want to dig a ball or hit a ball because it's not natural it's a an unnatural movement in some respect I thought the appeal for military service women would would be right there it's a very accessible sport i mean really you just need a net a, a gym hall and and away and some players obviously and, and away you go and we've i've been with the team for 23 years and we have spent time in gyms where we've tied a net to the walls and we've put masking tape to line out the court we have done everything that has allowed us to to keep playing but it doesn't help when other sports, and I'm not trying to say that this is an absolute driving factor, when other sports are saying, here's a new tracksuit, here's a new bag, here's a tour to Barbados, here's a tour. All of a sudden, we become not very, uh, people don't want to come and do volleyball where there's no tour, there's no <laughs> refresh kit every season, because we don't get the amount of funding. I know because I've done work with the Army Sports Control Board in the past, so I know what other sports get and we don't have that flexibility with cash. We use it to pay for the bare minimum things that we get right now. Um, and even to compete in National League is very expensive. Even though we're, you know, we're getting money, it only just costs, it costs 40 pounds just to register one player for 12 months. And then that's not even the cost of registering the whole team. So costings kind of go against us. Transport and all of that has, and do you have um, entry fees as well? In yeah, to some of our bigger competitions. Um, and I think um, in terms of larger terms volleyball, even when we went to the European Masters two years ago and we played and um, we came second in the competition, um, there really wasn't many other countries there playing. It wasn't, um, like you said, it, it wasn't full with teams who just wanted to play volleyball. It really takes, someone plays it, they normally fall in love with it if they can get in, you know, get through that initial kind of being quite scared. Some of the clubs are, you know, they've got, a, there is more men that play than women and they can hit harder than us and it does, it does create a kind of... Can I know, ask, in a, and this, you can tell me if this is a really silly question, <laughs> beach volleyball, has it helped traditional volleyball or does it hinder? Hinders. Yeah? If I'm honest, it hinders because the rules are different. The um, rules on handling are different. So you get someone that comes indoors and they handle the ball a different way and all they do is get blown up by the referee left, right and centre. But if they can adapt, they need to spend time indoors. You can't normally transition between them frequently, what I would say. Um, but it, it, so is it, is it an annoyance to you that that's, that's got a more public image than...? Um, no, but beach in terms of popularity in this country is big. Yeah. So is that because of, it's yeah. pretty people playing in pretty locations? I think that the, the thing with beach is that you don't have all the admin that you have with indoor. Finding a court for six hours, finding accommodation, 
Generally, the beach stuff is a one-day competition. You can drive there, you can play on a beach. Yeah, Western Supermares, you know, I think the uh, deep dish was on the beach the weekend. It's a, it's a more easier transition to the admin side of things because you don't, you don't have to have all of this. You don't, they provide all of the setup for you at competition. So, I mean, you love this sport. How did you get into this sport and why are you still doing it? So I went for England trials. Well, I started playing when I was 13 at school. Um, I was part of a pilot programme and then went to England trials when I was 15. I was too short, I accepted that. <laughs> so I then went and played National League. So I played for West Midlands for about four or five years. Um, and then I joined the army um, and I joined the army team quite quickly. I played for them and then in 2011, after having my daughter, I decided to cope. And was the appeal of joining the army the fact that you could pursue no. your... No. No. <laughs> that was just, just a lovely byproduct. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, but it was, to me, it was probably the thing that kept me in, you know, as a youngster, being able to go away and, and, and do sport and And you've had involved. plenty of highs as a coach, you know, you've seen your team win silverware, you've, you've been involved with the England setup. It's, been plenty of, of high moments for yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I've resigned, so I'm leaving um, next, uh, just for next summer. But I've been with this team through a journey that, um, for me, changed the whole dynamic of the team. Having been with them for so long and kind of just been seen as the team that never got anywhere, um, to in 2015, after being in the f final a couple of years running, um, took the win and then consecutively took the win again. again. We won inter-services seven times. You know, the silverware where we've taken away, the, the, the psychological barriers we broke through beating teams regularly, being at Crown Services, you know, the other weekend, shaking the hands of the police team and saying, you always bring it, you always challenge us, you're always driving forward, is where I feel the proudest, really, that our journey, again, we've had to reset for a couple of years, but it's never over, I think that, they will, they need, a, they need someone else to come in and take over from my it place. It sounds but. like a sport that continues to deliver pleasure for you. you yeah. As you say, you've got some really proud moments there. Yeah, it's, it, I, we, we regularly have lots of chats with the girls about um, obviously op teamwork and stuff that's been going on. We've, had, we've spent some time actually speaking to our players and finding out what they, how they feel about their service and everything else. So in the sporting environment, hopefully we can encourage better behaviour. And let, and let them feel encouraged by us supporting better behaviour. And, you know, we discussed our best moments in our life and winning the, the Crown Services um, in 2015 was, was an absolute game changer for me. You know, after being in sport for so many years, having had everyone basically said we were the worst and then winning it, like, with a clean sweep, everyone was just amazing. And I only wanted it once. <laughs> and then we continued to win again and again. So, so yeah, it was amazing. Well, she'll be missed then if she's leaving services next year. She'll be hard be pushed to find somebody who has the same energy as Nikki Mead. The commitment, But that's yeah. what you need, isn't it? As she was sort of going through there, it takes a little while to digest all the admin that comes with, with organising a sport. That's what I found so interesting is, obviously, we did the two, the two conversations with Alex Menya and, and Nikki Mead on the same day, Jules, um, you know, talking to anyone involved in, in army volleyball. And both... I would say it's the same for military volleyball there's that admin yeah. comes with which, whichever oh, service you're with yeah i'm yeah. not just saying army volleyball but it, it's just comparing those they both had very similar um a the commitment and the passion obviously came from somewhere but for that to drive you know to have given up playing over 10 years ago and to now be now be coaching and to have got involved with england and 
they are so involved in it. It's and they are still. I mean, she's said she's been with that team twenty three years, and to still do that day to day admin every single day and believe that it, it's for the good. Um, you know, obviously, and that 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 worked on court because they went on and won the crown services and in, in the women's team, and they were dominant in services. Um, but it's I think her zenith twenty fifteen. Yeah, getting, exactly. Getting to the top. But I think that she. Aside from what happens on court, she's just desperate for people to see that and love that game as much as she does. And that's what really came across is the reason she keeps doing that admin is like, this is a great game and I really want you to be involved and, and getting people involved. Um, so well done to Nikki. If you want to hear more from her, then please go to the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel where there'll be a longer version of that interview. But um, well worth... We all hate admin to a certain extent but i think if we that she's a real example if you if you do it well then it it pays off and now, um, now during today's little program i've noticed something there and it's sort of bit bit red and sort of a, a bit is that red strawberries on the side is that strawberries and cream <laughs> you're talking about my son on the, on the side of your face there <laughs> has somebody been would you somewhere? believe i did not have strawberries and cream at wimbledon Kath has recovered from being bitten by a jellyfish last <laughs> week to go to the sporting highlight of things happening around the country at First the moment. First ever Middle Sunday. They've, um, Kath, I mean, they've obviously Kath had went, a People's Kath, Sunday Kath before. Kath went to Wimbledon yeah. and not as a ball girl. What were you doing, Kath? Tell I us could, about I couldn't do that job as a ball girl. They're so concentrated. I, I don't think they even watch the match. I think they're so concentrated. I saw one the other day scare off a bird that had inadvertently landed there on centre go. court. All the so. extras you have to do. Um, you love a bird on a cr cricket commentary or tennis. I'll be very good at chasing it. <laughs> um, yeah, Wimbledon, middle Sunday. I mean, I'm very lucky that it's only a 20-minute walk from my house. Um, so it was a really lovely day. Could just walk through Wimbledon Park. And who did you see? Who did you see? British. Any celebs? Any uh, you uh, doing schmoozing? Oh, I tell you who I did see. Yes. Um, Stu, when it comes to celebs, Stu Robinson, our very own wheelchair rugby player, was there with the Aria. Fantastic. Yeah, he's the first person I saw. Him and his um, his partner Amy were watching the big screen when we arrived, and um, I asked him if he had his gold medal. He was like, "This is getting a bit tired now. I don't take it with me everywhere." Right. But um, yes, I did see Stu Robinson. No, in terms of um, um, we saw the parade of champions on Centre Court, but our tickets were and actually called enjoy, one. Did so. you enjoy Cliff singing? No. Did you ask him about the time <laughs> I sold him some melons? No, I didn't. And I have to say, I love Sir Cliff, but I think um, the impromptu singing was great. But that bit in the parade of the champions was so cheesy because they had to do the oh. Oh, is it raining? Because they put on some sound. I, I didn't enjoy that bit. I cringed a bit of that. But it was well worth seeing the likes of Roger Federer in, in a full suit and trainers walking up. Apparently that's the trend now. So, um, yeah, it was a great day. I didn't see that in person, but um, spent a lot of time on Henman Hill. And you got to cheer on the last Brit standing, depending yes. on when you're listening to this. Yes, Cam Norrie. Because if you're listening to this in a few days' time, <laughs> that might not be the case. Cam Norrie is the last Brit standing in the singles, of course, because Heather Watson was knocked out of the women's. There are some Brits still remaining, obviously, in mixed doubles and um, gentlemen's doubles and ladies' doubles. So um, everything going on at SW19. The bad-tempered match. Any views on that? Ooh, how long have you got? I mean, I oh, I would have felt I would a lot of people who watched it live said it was incredible to be part of because I think the tennis was incredible. But 
I would have felt uncomfortable. Should we explain who we're talking about? Yeah, so Nick Kyrgios, who is, you know, the, what would you call a Marmite of, of any tennis competition. People, he's very box office, but at the same time, he's, a lot of people don't like the fact that he's, I think, quite rude. I think he's, he's an incredible talent and I just wish he let his tennis do the talking. It's almost got to the point now that he's rude because he, that's his persona that he's built up. It's fine if you want to moan about a couple of line calls. Everyone does that, you know. We've all got a bit of Johnny Mackinus. But he's rude to lines people. He's rude to the umpire. He's rude to the ball girls and ball boys. And I just sort of think there's got to be a line. Having said that, Sitsipas also has got a bit of history and a bit of form when it comes to being rude and a bit moody. So the pair of them who used to play doubles together were so well matched, now accusing each other of bullying. It just takes away from the tennis. And Andy Murray said it a few years ago, he's actually a big fan of Kyrgios. And he said, he said, I wish he'd let his tennis do the talking because he, he could go all the way. But he just doesn't seem to be that bothered. Um, he seems more bothered about winding people up and being controversial. And I agree with a lot of what he said in the past, but I don't agree when he's rude to people. And that, yeah, that's my opinion. What do you think, Joel? I agree with you. <laughs> oh, that was a, a very, very good monologue there. Well done. Well explained. Yeah, well explained. I, yeah, no, I think you're right. It'd be lovely to see Kyrgios if he just put parked everything up, just focused on his tennis. Will he win a Grand Slam? But that's, that's what he wants to a, do. But a lot of people reckon he could go all the way this week. Maybe he's a little frightened that if he drops all these shenanigans then he it's a cover it's a mask yeah and then he's exposed so maybe he doesn't want to be exposed that much but um that's not the only big sporting thing that's been happening this weekend i'm no, sure, well, I'm sure um, you cast an eye over the grand prix as well british grand prix well yeah whilst we were you know i watched a bit of qualifying on saturday um and whilst we were at the tennis uh, um on sunday we definitely sort of cast an eye a lot happened at the i mean I, did you watch it jules because some people have said it's one of the best races they've ever seen but it was a lot of problems to begin with obviously a crash and a track invasion as well well, the track invasion, again, we'll, we'll leave that to one side, but the cra- it just goes to show that those halos that when they were originally, do you remember, mm. unveiled, people were like, no, what are you doing to the cars? But it's they Saved clearly, him, clearly, flipped twice, didn't he? Clearly lifesavers. Yeah. And then when we got down to the racing, yeah, enthralling stuff. But well done to Carlos Sainz for winning his first ever. Uh, obviously things happening in the uh, egg-chasing world as well. Not great for the home nations, really, results-wise, was it? Uh, if you're a fan of rugby, yeah, as you say, Northern Hemisphere didn't do very well. I thought Ireland may have started well against New Zealand. Didn't happen. They played better than the score reflected, I think. I think I... Ireland were a better team. But they had 20 minutes where New Zealand just blew, blew them away and that's what lost them in the match. But for all those home nations, I think that was probably the the game to have won apart from England England didn't do very well slightly astonished with some hair pulling going on I didn't think that that would ever happen in the game of, that I followed for such a long time especially from the mullets from, are back yeah so, the mullets yeah. are back um, however I think England will turn it around and do well next week whereas the other nations I don't think will I think Wales had it but they just what, what happened the, at the end there the lesson know? is when you've only got 12 players on the pitch <laughs> don't kick the ball away if you've got the ball that's good yeah. hang on to it you know keep it recycled until the clock goes red and the hooter goes and then you can kick it out then you can kick it out don't kick the ball away but well seem to have fallen into that trap Scotland misfired against, mm. against I was expecting more from Scotland has been against Argentina so maybe I said England will win but maybe Scotland will come back but I think it'll be tough for Ireland and Wales because the other two nations will get better as the as their little tournament, their little 
series of tests progresses. Mm. And you've had an eye on football. Before we go into that, I just want to say sad news about Andy Gorham, Scotland international. Very sad. Yeah, Ali McCoy is paying tribute to him this morning, right. and he just and he, you know, he's an international cricketer as well. I, know, I thought you may have yeah. picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, he sounds like the sort of man that was full of tales, and um, obviously his illness took him very quickly. But um, Ali McCoy was saying on on Talksport that um, you know, was, right up until the end, he was telling stories, and yeah, he's an incredible guy. Very sad. Uh, went to two World Cups, two mm. Euros, did well with Rangers. A uh, very sad, talented goalkeeper. So, yeah. um, and so young, really. Fifty-eight. This day and age. This yeah. day and age. Yeah, very. I mean, in football, um, the story that's sort of taken the headlines is Ronaldo wanting out of Man United. Um, well, by the time we've had this chat, he may have already gone. Absolutely. Although he's supposed to be on a plane to Thailand this Friday with um, with Man United team, but who knows how if, that. Could if happen. I was a Man United fan, <laughs> with all my wealth of knowledge when it comes to football, I wouldn't be too down about no. it. No. It might be a blessing in disguise. I, I think so. I think, you know, and also who wants him there for another year if he doesn't want to be there? It's not like they can't put him on the bench. Um, and if it'd be like a Gareth Bale situation. He doesn't want to be there anymore. And Man United feel like, I think they're in a place where they're resetting. Yes, so absolutely. If they're building for the future, yeah. But positive news from football, of course, the Women's Euros kicks off this week and it's a sellout at Old Trafford for the first game, England versus Austria. I'm really excited about a home nation's um, competition, Jules, and I'll be getting at least to watch a lot of those matches um, in the next few weeks. The Nepal Cup this weekend, how much do you know about that taking place in Aldershot? Well, I can tell you that the Nepal Cup final will be taking place this weekend in Aldershot. What about polo? What do you know about polo? Well, I can tell you that the Rundle <laughs> Cup, which is the annual ding-dong between the Army and the Royal Navy, will be taking place down in Tidworth. That's for those who ride horses. Excellent. Uh, that's all I know on that one. I'm glad Jules is here. Do listen back to all of our previous interviews at bfbs.com slash podcast or wherever it is you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Bye.